Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be discussing an article from the August issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Cow Utter Score and Calf Performance in the Nebraska Sandhills. This is a review of a 2019 Nebraska Beef Cattle Report. To discuss this article, I'm joined today by Dr. Travis Molinix, who is one of the researchers involved in the project. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Molinix. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Dr. Molinix, for the benefit of our listeners, share with us a little background in terms of why this research project occurred, and also some more about the cow herd and the resources there at the Goodmanson Sandhills Lab where the project took place. So uh, Goodmanson is our 11,000-acre research facility in, in the Sandhills. About 10% of that is meadow, with the rest of it being upland range. And then we've got a little over, roughly about 500 mature cows. Those cows are broke across some March calving and May calving. So we're probably about two-thirds March calving and a third May calving to try to represent uh, the cow herds uh, across the sand hills in, in Nebraska. And then we also run some yearlings over winter as well. But the really re- reason behind this study was uh, you always hear about udder scores. You go, you go to a bull cell and, and they'll brag about this bull can throw, you know, uh, good other cows. You know, a lot of producers call heavily on, on other scores. And, and there's some literature out there that shows these impacts of what other score has on cow-calf performance. Uh, and, and we've had some, a lot of issues with other scores and bad udders within our, our herd, especially in our May calving herd. If you look at that break between the two, our March has about 10% that we would consider bad uttered, and our May would be about uh, 33%. So one thing to note is that that May herd came out of our March herd when we formed that May calving herd. Uh, so genetically, they are very similar. We use the same bulls across those two herds. And so changing into that new environment of timing of when we have high quality and decline and poor quality can really alter your percentage of, of bad uttered cows. And so just talking to our ranch crew of having this issue, uh, I had a grad student of mine dig into the data and look at bad uttered cows really influencing production. And so when we think about bad uttered, what's happening is with a lot of these cows, especially in our May cows, is what's called udder edemas. And so it's basically swelling of the udder that can cause either uh, we reach under and fill the udder. Uh, the udder can be really hard, almost a rock hard. You'll see um, that bags always look full. You can uh, misplace the teats and move the teats, push them out from udder edema. And so uh, so this bad udder uh, can really cause some issues, especially suckling of that calf and not allowing that calf to get the proper nutrients for, for growth. And, and that's why we really started digging into the data and saying, well, you know, what's going on? Are we is it altering performance of these calves? Since we've had to weaning and actually feedlot performance of, of these offspring. Dr. Molnix, help us understand a little more. What's occurring that's causing this utter edema? Obviously, you mentioned in the marsh calving cows, uh, much lower incidence, approximately 10%, but in the May calving cows, up to a third or right at a third of those cows are showing this. What's triggering that? Why is that occurring? Yeah, it, it's, it has to do with the nutrient quality at the time of that calving and earlier on. 
And so if you think about our March calving, our forage quality is not yet peak at Nebraska. We really start peaking in mid-June in forage quality. And so we've got much higher quality of a forage in our May calving at that first part of lactation that we do in that March calving. And you see this across the United States. When we move into summer calving herds, they typically or can have increase in bad udders. And it's generally because of some kind of increase in forage quality at that initial part of of lactation. And, and that's most people call bad udders is at the time of calving, it, it, you start scoring them. Um, with edema issues that can happen, you can have chronic or you can have acute edemas. And so you see this a lot in dairy cows that with acute, it goes away uh, through that lactation. Chronic doesn't go away. They maintain bad udders. And what we're noticing with these bad udder cows and these May cows, they're actually chronic. And, and less of them are actually acute short time period of uh, kind of a bad udder situation. And so, but it's all, it's all about that timing of, of that forage quality in earlier part of that lactation. So give us a little background in terms of how were the cows scored, and then what did you see in terms of age differences, in terms of good udders versus bad udders? What did that all look like? Yeah, so it's a it's an older scoring system that used to be in the uh, red book or your calving book. It's a one through five scoring system, so it's a combination of teat and udder score. Uh, and so it's really simple for a producer to use fr- from that aspect. And so the ranch crew each year at calving would uh, score cows depending on that udder quality at that time. Uh, and then, uh, and so we went back and just started looking at, you know, what, what did that have to do with, with performance? Uh, and so one thing we did find uh, was that when we look at the average age of the cows is, uh, or the bad cows had older average than our good uttered, which makes sense in terms of as cows age, udders tend to kind of start falling apart a little bit. Suspension uh, starts to stretch. And so we, we really picked up on there's an age difference in our good and bad udder cows across both of the uh, calving seasons. So the cows are scored at the time of calving, and a score of one or two would be bad uttered, and then a score of three or higher would be good. Is that correct? That is correct. So it's one and two is bad, three, four, or five is good uttered, and really no difference in four and five other than pigmentation change of of the udder. So on average, uh, a cow would be, uh, or an average cow would probably be about a three. So as you looked at the data, obviously they're marking down what are good uttered and bad uttered cows, and then you tracked calf performance all the way through. What was some of the things you observed in terms of what happened with the calves that were born to bad uttered cows versus those born to cows classified as having good udders? Yeah, so up to pre-weaning time frame with the heifers and steers from the bad uttered or good uttered, we found no difference in performance in average day of gain and weaning weight of those calves uh, across uh, those seasons and no difference in pregnancy rates in cows. From a pre-weaning time frame, we're really not influencing performance at all by having 
bad uttered cows. So those those calves either are getting enough nutrients from milk, they're, they're not having issues with suckling. We didn't have any difference and have to help with get calves to suckle earlier on. And that's the concern is bad uttered cows that these calves uh, have issues suckling. You know, think about trying to get colostrum up intake uh, early on. If that calf can't suckle, you're gonna you can have some issues. But we didn't have any difference in assisting rate between good and bad, and didn't find any difference in actual performance from that calf or that cow up to weaning time frame. So this kind of is contrary to some other research that would tend to indicate that calves from bad uttered cows can at times be challenged in terms of performance, but there's been some contradictory research to that as well. Give us some perspective on why we're seeing some different results in this study as compared to some others. You know, some of it is that some of these calves could be compensating for maybe a lack of milk from uh, produced from, let's say you had a cow that has two workable quarters, because we find that a lot with bad other cows is, we'll find that maybe two quarters are just not, the teeth are there, but there's nothing there. We really don't see a huge difference in actual milk production produced. But if so, that calf has the ability to, can increase or decrease their forage intake. So these calves may be grazing more earlier on that offset some of that lack of milk. So that could be a component. The other component is uh, we just here recently milked some cows from our May herd, and we had quite a few that had either three or, or two actual quarters that were actually functional. And, and milk production was not any different in cows that had less than four quarters that were functioning. And, and so I'm not quite sure we're actually changing total amount of milk pr- production uh, across. Now, if we're down to one quarter, that, that, that's different. And there's some data that shows that as long as there's one functional quarter, calf average daily gain is not decreased. But there's also the data, like you mentioned, that with bad other cows, you saw see a decrease in average daily gain in weaning weight of the calves. So it's a little across the board of that response. So on this particular set of calves, saw no difference in calf performance up till weaning. Uh, what took place after that? Yeah, so the heifer stayed in the herd, but the steers actually was shipped down to North Platte and put in our gross safe feedlot uh, feeding system. And so they were fed out here at North Platte. Uh, so we've got dry matter intake, we average daily gain, feed efficiency. And then those calves were, were sent to Lexington and we've got carcass data from the plant. So when we look at the data from the finishing time frame of those steers, that we didn't see any difference in actually feedlot performance. So when we looked at carcass data, we found an increase in carcass weight and increase in back fat in the steers from good uttered cows. There was a slight trend. It was a significant trend for entry weight and finishing body weight in the feedlot to increase with good uttered. Some of the issue is when you think about taking a weight of an animal, you have a lot of influences that could be uh, water intake, could be gut fill. That could be changing it. But with carcass weight, that's a highly sensitive body weight measurement. There's not a lot of influences like we do with the live animal. And so that carcass weight is, uh, I think, is a better uh, actually measurement of that final product than we do with those live weight. So we are seeing an increase in growth uh, post-weaning in these steers from 
uh, good uttered cows versus bad uttered cows. Has any research been done on their contemporary heifer counterparts in terms of how they perform pregnancy rates as a yearling or anything like that? No, we haven't looked at that yet. Uh, we really want to because bad uttered is a moderately to small heritable trait, you know, and that's why it's important to be selecting animals up front that are good uttered because you can be selecting over time for increased bad uttered within the herd. But we haven't got into that data yet. Uh, and so our data is probably a little too small from the heifer side to start looking at that. But over time, long term, that, that's part of the goal is, it, are we changing heifer performance? And also, are, is that bad uttered also seen in their offspring? And so how hereditary is it within this herd? Which makes it interesting because if you go back to that May herd was made out of our March and increasing from 10% in our March to over 33% in our May. It really makes you think of, is it more environment-driven or is it hereditary-driven that we're increasing um, that percentage within that May herd? As we think about this practically for folks who are listening to this and we think about it from a commercial cow-calf perspective, any take-homes here, Travis, in terms of what should we think about if we've maybe made the shift ourselves? There's a number of people who have went from a March to a May or a May, June, and maybe you're now dealing with some of this and thinking, should I call all these bad uttered cows? What do I do? How do I manage this situation? You know, it, it really comes down to, if you think about the performance that we saw of no, really no performance at the weaning, it really comes down to, are, are you needing to assist these cows or not? If you have a issue with, if you're having the increase in assistance of getting these calves to suckle, then that's an easy answer of we need to heavily call for bad uttered. If that's not the issue, some of these cows can maintain the herd. I wouldn't necessarily keep a female out of her, but you can, she can be maintained in the herd. Because you think about the replacement cost. If I'm going to sell a productive female, what is the replacement cost? to replace her. And so in a lot of instances, it may be best to actually keep that female in a herd a few more years than, than calling her early for a bad udder, uh, especially if you're not having that, that issue with increased labor and assistance rate of getting these calves to suckle. Any other thoughts, Travis, as we point towards wrapping this up? I think that really covers it pretty good. It comes down to just that management. We see a lack of actual production outside of some growth difference post-weeding, um, but we're really not seeing a, a large difference in performance. And, and so it's something that we're not necessarily telling producers, do not select it you know, for bad uttered or don't call for bad uttered. But if you have them in the herd, it's something that I wouldn't stress unless you have a high percentage of uh, assistance rate in that labor cost. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Mullenix. Thanks for having me, Aaron. So for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you'll be able to find this article, as well as the 2019 Nebraska Beef Report that this article was reviewed from.